Matthew chapter 28, let's look at verse number 18 first. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Would you read verse 20 with me, everyone? Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. There are many things in the Bible that God wants us to do. God leaves no stone uncovered. He wants us to learn how to be a good husband. And this morning we talked about that on the radio broadcast and with Brother Keith Cowling. We'll talk about it again on Friday and, and be a good wife. And God tells us how. God tells us how to manage our money, how to use our money, how to make our money, how to spend it, how to invest it. He, doesn't, he leaves no stone unturned. What to do when you're offended, when you're hurt, when you're violated? What happened when someone steals something from you? Whatever the situation, God gives it to us either in principle or in precepts from his word. And I'm glad I have uh, the word of God who tells what to do. Boy, a good question for a disciplined servant of Christ to ask himself is what does the Bible say about this? <laughs> what does God want me to do? Is there a verse I can turn to? Do, is there a passage? Is there a, a thought I can ponder? Is there a lesson I can learn? Is there a principle I can apply to my situation? And you'll find it in every matter of life. Now, there's some things I hear and things I'm facing that I'm thinking, okay, what does the Lord want us to do? Occasionally, I'm sitting with one of our servants here in the ministry, and they'll say, well, Pastor, what do you mean to do? I say, what do you think God wants us to do? Can you think of a scripture? Today, when we met with the assistant pastors, one of the things we do first, we just, just open the Bible, let's talk about what the scriptures say. Because I think faith cometh by hearing. And the most important thing about First Baptist Church and any institution, your life and mine, is faith. And faith is fostered by a relationship with the Word of God. Then God teaches, talks to us, we want to talk back to Him. We want to, want to respond to Him and say, okay, let's see what God wants us to do. And I'll say, yes, Lord. But the last things that Jesus gave us on, uh, on the earth was what we call the Great Commission. To go, to win, to baptize, and disciple others. And really that is important for every church, every Christian to get a hold of. That why am I still on the planet? Twofold reason, to glorify God and to bring good to others, to honor God and to do good and, uh, and help others. By the way, you ought to ask yourself, am I doing that in my life? Have I done that this last week? Have I done this last month? Am, is my life honoring the Lord? If we could look at our phones, you could look at my phones, I live, would, would, I, would, it, would it show? The other day my kids was told, told us, they said, we can look on this phone, Dad, and tell how much time you spend on Messenger, how much time you spend on this, how much you spend on phone. And they could tell you all, the one week's time, all the things. I wonder how much time we've spent on things that really just don't matter for eternity, that have not been helpful to us, have not been beneficial. We're stewards of our time. At the same time, have I helped others? Have I honored the Lord with my thoughts, my actions, my behavior? Uh, am I giving others a good opinion of God? We're supposed to do all we do to the glory of God. And then for the benefit of others. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Well, Jesus, as he left this earth, he said five times in different words, but he said, I want you to go tell someone about me. Help them get baptized, disciple them, and teach them to observe all things, whatever I've commanded you. 
And he says in Matthew, if you'll do that, I'll give you my presence. Sometimes people say, well, pastor, why, why do you want to keep on pushing us to soul win? Now, there are other ministries, and there are other things the Bible teaches about a plethora of things, everything. At the same time, the Bible says when we get involved in the Great Commission in Matthew, God exchanges our obedience for His presence. You know the most important thing you need at difficult times? You need the presence of God. <laughs> you know, whenever, you know what our church needs? I'd like to have a place where God's presence is here. Two weeks ago, I had a lady come across, uh, not two weeks ago, because I wasn't here, but the week before, came. They sit over in this section right here. They met me in the visitor welcome. At the end, I shook their hand, and they said, I just tell you something. You can feel the presence of God here. Well, that blessed my heart. I thought it was a blessing. A few weeks ago, I was in Raleigh, North Carolina. It was 4.30 in the morning. I was taking my car to the airport to get exchanged and get back on the plane and come back home. And there was a fellow that was running around getting coffee in the, uh, in, the, uh, in the coffee maker there. And I greeted him in a minute. I said, I want to give you a gospel track. Tells you how you can know for sure. He goes, I know that. I said, well, good. He goes, actually, I, I attend. And I attend a church. And, but we're still not open in our church. Our church has not chosen to open up yet. We're still online. And I thought, oh, man, we're, we're not. And so we're able to meet together. We have it online and in person. And I, I, I said, he said, uh, I, so I invited him, I invited him, so if you're ever in Chicago, come. Well, Sunday morning he was in Goshen, and he and his wife drove all the way from Goshen to be here in the service on Sunday morning. And I met them over the back, and she said, well, he'll never remember you, and certainly I had the joy to remember him, so that worked out good. She goes, well, he said, see, he did remember me, you know. I said, you've got an unforgettable face, sir. I just couldn't remember you know. No, it was wonderful. We had a good time visiting there. And she said to me, she said, no, one thing my husband and I have done, when we travel, we go to other churches. So we went to church until long ago, and the pastor spent the entire, went in there, and the pastor spent the whole time and saying, I don't know why our church isn't growing. We ought to have more people here. We ought to grow. We ought to add folks. And he spent the whole message about why the church isn't growing. He said, but we were there for about an hour and 30 minutes, and no one even shook our hands or greeted us or said anything to us. And so, so I thought I'd write him back and tell him why his church isn't growing. <laughs> you know. But he said, I don't know what's going on here, but this church is the largest church we've ever been to, and everybody and their mother are shaking our hand and greeted us and make us feel so welcome. He said, Pastor, it is really a beautiful thing. We've never been so welcome in any church we've ever been to. And I can't believe the size. It's easier to melt in, melt out. Your people wouldn't let us do it. They, they greeted us. And I thought, that's a great testimony. But you know one thing I want in a church? I want the presence of God. Don't you? In Mark, he gives them, he says, I want you to go into all, the, all nations. And then he says, if you do this, I'll protect you. He says, someone makes you drink poison, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of you. If you get bit by a snake, I, I'll help you with that. By the way, who got bit by a snake in the Bible that God helped him shake it off? Paul. He said, why was he, why was he protected? I think he was protected because he was doing the gospel work. He was winning and discipling others. He said, whenever you obey the Great Commission and win and disciple others, then you're going to get the protection of God. In Luke... He says, I want you to do it. I want you to do this. And this is on the road to Emmaus, his two friends. He says, when you do this, I want you to start in Jerusalem and work your way out. Here he gives us the plan of God for the Great Commission. Well, wouldn't it be wonderful to be a great missions church? 
Wouldn't it be great? We, I think we're going to be able to add almost 40 new missionaries here shortly, and I'm excited about that because of the giving of God's people. We've gone nine weeks giving $40,000 a week to missions, and I don't know. I hope it doesn't slow down. But I'm excited about that. I'm excited about that. But wouldn't it, would it be great to be known as a missions church but overlook the people under the shadow of our steeple? It would be terrible. God said, I want you to get the people saved under the shadow of your steeple, beginning at your Jerusalem, and then going out. It's, it's hypocritical to want someone else to start churches in the, in, the, in, the, in the ministry of the mission field and us not do it here. It's hypocritical. What are you going to do in the mission? Well, we're, going to, we're going to go over there and win people to Christ. We ought to win people to Christ. We're going to help them get baptized. Well, we ought to see people get baptized. We're going to disciple new converts. We ought to do the same thing. And when we do, we're following God's plan. So His, his, his presence, His protection, and His plan. And then in the book of John, he says, I want you to go out, and I want you, as the Father sent me, so send I you. And he says, my peace I give to you. One of the things I would want for all of our children, what God wants for our children, what he wants for you, is peace. You've got to have peace to make progress. You've got to have rest to make progress. And, you know, many people don't get things done because they're not at peace. But there's something about soul winning, discipleship, that helps calm your own heart, that encourages you. The Bible tells us that whenever someone gets saved, he that goeth forth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with what? Rejoicing. When we get the gospel out, there's rejoicing that comes to us. John the Beloved said in 3 John, verse number 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children... Walk in truth. So he says, the joy of soul winning, but the joy of seeing people grow in the Lord, that gives you joy. And the joy of the Lord, according to Nehemiah, is our, boy, you know, there's something about God's strength that comes when we're doing what God wants to do. I think you'll be a better mom and a better wife and a better son, letter daughter, if you get captivated by the Great Commission. If you're saying, you know, I'm getting seeing, seeing people saved, I'm seeing people discipled, I'm working at, I think God's going to give you his presence, his protection, his peace. Then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witness unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. There is a power that comes to a person that is actively about winning, discipling, and training others. I give you these thoughts this evening because I want that for me. I want that for Linda. I want that for Lacey. I want that for my, our boys. I want that for, for Lydia. I want that for Phil. I want that for everybody that I know. I want, them to, I want them to have the presence of God, the peace of God, the protection of God, doing the plan of God with the power of God. The truth of the matter is I want that for this church too. But there is, with every promise of God, there's a prerequisite. You can't just claim every promise. Every once in a while someone will say, but my God shall supply all your needs. You can't, just everyone can't claim that. Just like you can't say, thou shalt be saved. You can't go to your friend and say, thou shalt be saved. Is that a promise of God? Yes. But is there a prerequisite? Yeah, there's a prerequisite. You can't say to everybody, all things work together for good. But it works together for good to them that what? Love God, 
to them who are called according to his purpose. You can't go to everyone and say, you know, listen, uh, uh, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly. But he talks about being called according to his purpose. He talks about people who, who look to him in faith. These are things that God says. He said faith is important, but faith must believe that who he is and what he can do, and he's a rewarder of them. So we see that there are always prerequisites to that. But tonight on this night, just for a few moments, I'd like to discuss the topic of our church, and especially with the Hammond Bible Institute. I'm very grateful to be a part of this. And we're in a season of, uh, of graduation. I can't hardly believe it. We've got the Hiles Anderson College graduation. And I think 82 uh, degrees were given out on that day. And then we had uh, the City Baptist last Sunday, and then the kindergarten last night, and Hammond Baptist today, and then eighth grade and kindergarten on, on Friday morning, and then Hammond Baptist. But with each of those things, why in the world do we do that? Why have a school? Why have a college? Why have a Bible institute? Why stay and have teachers come till 9, 9.30 at night on a, on, a, on a Tuesday night? Why make the investment? Why uh, pay your tuition and come and support that? Why work through it? What's the big deal? The piece of paper? You know, you could light yourself by the, you know, warm yourself by the fire with that thing. It's not, it's not all that big of a deal. It gives you credibility. Someone besides yourself said you finished something. But why do we do that? Why do we have a City Baptist? Why do we have a Hammond Baptist? Why do we have a Hiles Anderson College? I think it's because of the Great Commission. It's the Great Commission. Why do we give to missions? Why do we pray for missionaries every night? I was talking to a group of young ladies who sing for the college, and they said, Pastor, one thing that we have done has been such a blessing, is because we pray for 10 missionaries every service, so, Pastor, I, I'm praying for 30 missionaries, and when I'm going to these other churches, I'm seeing the same missionaries on the walls. Ah, I prayed for them. I prayed for them. Becomes a part of who we are. Why do we do that? Because they're doing the Great Commission. Let's look real quick, if we can, please, to Philippians chapter number 2. And I'll be as quick as I possibly can, but I just feel like these are some points I want to give to you briefly. And verse number 12, Philippians 2, verse number 12, Wherefore, my beloved, by the way, uh, beloved, he's talking to the church at Philippi. Do you think the church at Philippi, uh, Philippi are Christians or not Christians? Do yeah, you think they've already been saved? Yes, he's talking to saved people. If you don't understand that, you're getting a little squirrely sometimes on this verse right here. He's talking to, to Christian people, his beloved that he led to the Lord. This is Lydia. This is the, um, the Philippian jailer, his family, so forth. And he said, Therefore, my, wherefore, my beloved brethren, as ye have always obeyed, uh, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Read the rest of the verse with me. Work out. Folks who teach and work salvation love this particular verse, and they say, well, you know, you got to work to be saved. Is that true or False. False. It's talking to Christians. And it's basically saying exactly what uh, James said. If you're saved, work it out. People don't see your heart. They don't see, they don't see how you, how you, what you believe. They see what you believe based upon your works. He said, I want you to work out your own salvation. If you're saved, it ought to work out. People ought to know that. I like what D.L. Moody says. He said, Everybody ought to live so the whole world knows they're a Christian, especially those in their own house. Sometimes the hardest place to live a Christian life is in your own home. I've had a hard time doing that sometime. You can, my wife could testify, but let's not do it right now, okay? 
All that is sometimes the case. And he said, but if you're saved, work it out. Work out your salvation with fear. That means an acknowledgement of God and trembling. Now, why would someone tremble in regards to working out their salvation? What would maybe make someone tremble? Someone raise your hand and tell me. What would do that? Anybody? Spiders? No, come on, man. That doesn't make you tremble. Yes, sir, Lawrence? Yeah, I think so. Accountability. The fact in just a few days, I'm going to give an account of myself to God. My time, my talents. So Apostle Paul says, listen, you guys have obeyed when I'm there and when I'm not there. In my presence, in my absence. So let me remind you, keep working the, the Christian life. And do it with an acknowledgement that God is with you, the fear of the Lord, and with the fact that you have an accountability. Um, Brother a guy named Gilbert Gaylor was a sweet friend of Brother Jerry Vargo and myself. And he would say this, John... He said, all great Christians throughout the ages have lived with the understanding of the imminent return of Christ. When people know that Jesus could come at any time, you always elevate your behavior. There's a sense of urgency that comes over us when we think, you know what? This might be my last message. This might be my last opportunity to witness to someone. I was talking to someone the other day, and they were, they were very sick. They're not saved. Man, I tell you, I was, I was burdened for them. I wanted to get the gospel to them. I wanted to make sure they could hear it again before they slipped off into eternity. And there's a sense of urgency that came. He said, work it out and be, do it with fear and trembling. Look at verse number 13. The Bible says, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I don't know about you, but I like that part. It is who? God. Who is working in you and for you to do of his good pleasure. It's the Lord that's doing that. And this is called the grace of God. I think if you had only one word that you had to define verse 13, it would be grace. Part of grace is, I think, is God's supernatural help, but it, it's that stimulus inside of you to do something with God and for him. You know, when you come to soul winning on Saturday, when you go visit a bus route, when you give out that gospel track, when you give aggressively to the things of God, what, what, what starts that? God's grace does. It's God that's working in you, and it's all for his pleasure and his glory and our good. Verse 14, look at that if you would, please. And really, you see a pattern for world evangelism. Here's the process, though. Verse 13, can we read it out loud together? Do all things without... When you're doing the Great Commission, when you're doing the work of the Lord, do it without murmuring and without disputing. What do you think those two words mean? murmuring, yeah, complaining, or disputing. What does that mean to you in, in common day language? Anybody have another synonym? Arguing, fussing, griping, fighting with somebody. What's well, amazing how much, uh, how much of this happens sometimes. And it happens, in the, it happens in the secular world, and we understand that. We're reading this morning in Jeremiah chapter 38, and the Bible tells us about a story of, of Jeremiah that he was put in the pit, in the dungeon. It wasn't a jail cell. It was where all the refuge and the sewage went into, and he was stuck in the mire. They put him in this pit, and he was dying in there. He was wasting away. And he had a friend named Ebed-Melech, and Ebed-Melech went to the king and said, King, we can't let the prophet die. I know you got mad at me. I know you don't like what he says, and you listen to everybody, but we can't let him die. We can't do that. 
And uh, so the king said, yeah, yeah, probably so. So they got down there. He sent some men down there, and they got some rotten rags and tied them together and put him down in the pit. And they, he couldn't hold his, his weight. He had been too weakened. And they said, look, just put it around your back, stick it under your armholes, and hold on. And, and we'll bring you up. We'll pull you up. And they pulled him out of that pit. But as we, as we read that story, one of the things that someone pointed out to me, and it was a blessing to me, is just how fickled. You know, here this king was under siege by the Babylonians. They're, they're parked outside of his city. There's a huge threat. And he's spending all his time picking on one little prophet who doesn't tell him what he wants to hear. And he's sending 30 guys down there to pull him out of a pit after he changes his mind at the, at the intercession of a, a friend. But, you know, it's, it's amazing when there can, be a, there can be so many good things happening. People can be saved, people can get baptized, people can be discipled. And then we've got some, some folks who just, they're captivated with some negative, frustrating thing, chopping people's heads off, trying to get agendas completed when there's a lot bigger world that needs to be done. There's a lot bigger fish to fry. It's amazing. Sometimes we get out in the foyer and someone wants to just give an earful about something they didn't like. And I was wondering, what, do you, what did you like about several people getting baptized? How about that? And one time I had a fellow, and I told, he, he's like, you know, everybody in that church is a hypocrite. Everybody's a hypocrite. Because I've been there long enough to know this person's not even saved, this person's not saved. So I just, in my mind, I said, well, what do you think about this person in this, this family? I named their names. Oh, no, no, they're, they're good people. And so I named about seven people, some of your names that are in here tonight. I said, what do you think about them? Oh, no, no, they're, they're really good people. I don't have anything to say about them. So here you just now told me everybody's a hypocrite. And I've given you seven names, seven couples, and several people in our church, and you have a negative thing to say about them. You know what you find? You, you when you find, you find what you're looking for. And sometimes we find negative things, because that's what we're looking for. At the expense of a huge problem that's out there, it's people that need the gospel. And I find that people that are involved with the presence and the, the great propagation of the gospel of Christ, they don't do things with murmurings and disputings. There's something going on, and they're not at peace. Oh, there's all kinds of problems, and you can find problems if you want to look for problems. You can find them in me. I can find them in you. We can find them in this, this area, that area. But may God help us to be about the Great Commission and do it with, in, with, without murmuring and disputing. Verse number 15, and we'll conclude. Verse 15, the Bible says, and uh, here he kind of gives the, 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 the purpose here, that ye may be blameless and harmless sons of God, that you be good kids, of God, that they would have nothing to say negative about you without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation or generation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. This really is what God's looking for. He's looking for a light. He's looking for a light in a dark world. So I don't want you to be hung up with, uh, with silly things. Be a good child. Don't be, don't be disputing. Don't be murmuring. Uh, be a, without rebuke, have a good testimony within and without. And then verse number 16 is the Great Commission verse. Read it with me if you would. Ready? Holding forth the word of life, that I have not run in vain. I want to challenge you tonight as we have some of these graduations. Graduations are not about graduations. They're about the great gospel and the great commission. And let's all of us decide, you know what, I'm going to pray, I'm going to give, I'm going to get involved in getting someone the gospel. I think we will usher into our life the presence, the protection, the power, the peace of God that we so much need in our individual lives. 
And I think we have a pattern here in Philippians chapter 2 to follow along.